I recognize that my life will be shorter than I hoped it would, uh, would be. But I then look at the people in Monterey Park. And I say, these are people who never had the chance to say goodbye, to mend relationships, to, to be thankful, to be grateful. And I'm afforded this opportunity to, 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 to do all this stuff. And when I go, I can, I can go in peace without having all this baggage, you know? So um, in, it's, it's, yes, it's a cup half full thing, but it, it's, it's really changed my, my perspective. To Camp Vivian Centered Podcast, Season 3, Episode 8, Part 1, with my dear friend Ben Baltus. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation that describes everything from friendship to things that both Ben and I are going through cancer and life lessons that we've learned and want to share. It is really a fascinating opportunity when somebody stretches uncomfortably and makes themselves vulnerable, what opportunities of connection and conversation can take place. So pull up a chair, grab that cannoli and coffee, because here we go. Hey, Ben. Hi, Ms. Felicia. How are you? Good to see well. you. You look beautiful. Oh, thank you. So do you. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you very much, Ben Balsas, a dear, dear friend of mine. who We go all the way back to, I believe, 1977, 40th um, School, <laughs> uh, Wayland Academy in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. And we were classmates. And um over the years, we've, you know, kind of been able to, thanks to technology, keep in touch or kind of follow from afar. And recently, you and I were back in touch. I think what might have spawned it was a post that I made, maybe, um, regarding an announcement that I was making from a hospital bed. But there have been a cluster of, of I was going to say notes, posts, and um, post-it notes. And, and um, anyhow, you reached out. So I'm going to kick it off from there. Ben, you reached out to me via Facebook Messenger, I think. And though we've had our quick little interlude interactions from other people's posts or whatever sidebar comments, um, you revealed to me that you were, in fact, en route to moving back to the country due to the fact that you had health diagnosis that you felt comfortable sharing with me initially because of what I said in my posts. So um, I'd like to open the floor for you to speak on that if you're open to that. Sure. Um, I was teaching overseas in Pakistan, um, long story there, but uh, found out from, uh, was having some problems swallowing. And so, I had an, uh, an endoscopy done yeah. and um, fast forward uh, that I was diagnosed with stage four esophageal uh, cancer, which had metastasized to my liver. Um, and 
quite a shocking diagnosis. Um, uh, and for someone who had just lost 125 pounds and was exercising and was doing all the right stuff and eating good stuff and doing all that. And uh, so we hastily uh, retired six months earlier than expected, moved back to the United States. And uh, uh, I've been under the care of some wonderful medical professionals, my wonderful wife, my family, friends like you um, who have supported me. And I'm about to tomorrow have my third chemo treatment. So, so that's, that's, that's where I am. I, I feel fantastic. It's definitely changed my perspective on life. So it's so interesting because, okay, so just a little side note, the reason why I launched this platform at this juncture, probably wanted to do this like eight or nine years ago when podcasts weren't even heard of or spoken of. And I randomly said to a friend, I'd really love to do this thing called a podcast. And I think he thought I was speaking Hebrew and had something growing out of my forehead. <laughs> and I said to him, and I wanted him to do it with me because we had this very ever-flowing ability to talk. And the reason why I wanted people like you on that I find of interest is because I know we love to share. We love to inspire. We love to teach. We take our perspective, our we did this at 16, we're doing this now at our age now, where we can bring to the table very relatableness. And what's so fascinating about you and I connecting and ever flowing, connecting to our lives and how interesting energetically, how some energetic entities do that with one another and others never do to the point of I am currently also will be starting my third chemo treatment. Mm. And like yourself, I had lost a bunch of weight. I had lost 53 pounds. I was working out all the time. People were like, what, what are you doing? Like you're, you're, you're like, I, I mean, almost to the point where like, it's a compliment, but I think they were starting to feel badly about themselves mm-hmm. because they were looking at me going, well, Jesus Christ, I just saw her. <laughs> right. <laughs> what what the hell? <laughs> and I really was, and like you said, feeling and still feel amazing. Now, I am not taking early retirement. Ironically, have had all this work offered to me, which at the juncture of right now, as I think you would understand and relate to is due to him and him, you know, our immune systems, our exposure, this, this poison basically running through our systems to combat or eliminate or give us a cure and all the above. Um, exposing yourself to a lot of people is really very risky. And though lots of COVID uh, things or flu things or whatever things are, you know, like they're doing whatever they're doing, you still have to be safe. Well, you're doing this. And that would have been true pre-major pandemics and what have you, but now I think even more so. Mm-hmm. So like yourself, well, not like yourself, but like yourself, I'm taking the time for me to say thank you to my peers who are reaching out and wanting me to be a part of their things as I want to be a part of theirs, like delicious opportunities. But I know that the lesson here is to, shh, put the head, headlights on oneself for the moment as we give so much to others. Mm-hmm. So how has that been for you? I mean, you did take retirement. So maybe that like quick pivot 
for you was like, great. I just, I know that I'm turning right over here. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't without some, you know, I've, I've, I've said it before that I think cancer is a gift because it really has allowed me to focus on what's important. And so I, and I don't mean that glibly. I, I've, I've, I've recognized so many places in my life where I need to understand how grateful I can be. Like we were planning on retiring anyway. Yeah. And so we were, you know, thinking about all these wonderful plans. We're going to be back in the States with our daughter and going to have all these wonderful things. And so now I get to do it earlier. Yeah. I mean, what, what, how wonderful is that? Yeah, exactly. And, and now that I've made my diagnosis public, I'm hearing from friends who I used to be friends with when I was in the States before I went international. And yeah. so, so all, all of these things, you know, you, you say, I'm, I'm sensing from your question, was it an un, unwelcome surprise? And, and, and it, and it wasn't, it, it was a, um, yeah, sure. I, I would rather retire nobody wants to hear they have cancer. I didn't mean to overtalk you for this oh. quick second. Nobody wants to hear that they have cancer, but to your point, you're looking at the cup half full. This mm-hmm. is a gift. How do I utilize it? I, I, I recognize that my life will be shorter than I hoped it would, uh, would be, but I then look at the people in Monterey Park and I say, these are people who never had the chance to say goodbye, to mend relationships, to, to be thankful, to be grateful. And I, I'm afforded this opportunity to, 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 to do all this stuff. And when I go, I can, I can go in peace without having all this baggage, you know? So um, in, it's, it's, yes, it's a cup half full thing, but it, it's, it's really changed my, my perspective. It really has. I think it's really interesting what you have to say, because um, I do think each person's journey is obviously so very, very different, right? And timing is of like anything, everything. And I think that it's great that that is your, what I would what sounds like is your most light bulb takeaway in the current moment, right? Absolutely. And what and how you're running with that. And, and like you said, you know, you know, we don't, I don't know how, how, none of us know how much time we have on this planet. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, yeah, you could be at uh, Monterey Park or you could get a diagnosis or you could get none of that and you don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the thing that, I think has also run true for somebody like yourself in my presence, which has been off and on over several decades, many decades. Not that and I many. talk about this, what? Not that many. No, only <laughs> I think about four or five. I don't know. Okay, I lost okay. count. I don't, I'm not counting. How about that? Okay, okay. But not for any reasons that I can't or right. wouldn't be willing to. Um, <laughs> let me be clear. Okay. Uh, but I think that mindset is such an important value, valuable tool. And at the end of the day, Ben, you still have to come forward with a mindset. Mm-hmm. 
Like you could have been in time with retirement, with retirement, you and Jenny, you could have had all the things in place that it sounds like very much fell into place. You could have, you know, had all these things and you could have been a bitter SOB wanting to, you know, whatever. And I think my point is that as long as I've known you, you've always had a brighter approach and I don't know, maybe there were a lot of hard things and you chose to take the high road or you just learned from people around you that, that was the better way. So I'm curious. I just want to kind of really jump for the moment and kind of go into um, a little bit of history. Like who was Ben Baltus like as a child and what made Ben the child envision becoming um ben baltus was always the people pleaser uh the <laughs> youngest of four kids um always trying to measure up to my eldest brother who was 10 years older gain my father's pride and attention because he was always people pleasing so he was he was pleasing other people and so i was trying to get his attention that way um even at school um i was I was involved in so many things that I was always trying to please people, whether it was playing the organ in chapel or it was uh, being in shows backstage, doing music, uh, whatever it was, it was always that way. And so I, I think my positive attitude came from my desire to say, hey, you know, uh, we can fix this or we can do, you know, we can do things this way and make it right. Or uh, don't be so sad. Don't be so sad. Let's, 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 let's think about the positive way to do this. Um, and that caused me in my younger life to not spend as much time on myself and mm -hmm. to think about what Ben wants and what Ben needs, but versus mold my life to, to what everybody else wants. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Worse yet, what everybody, what I thought everybody expected me to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Expectation. So, yeah. 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 So it was, it was, um, it was clear to me that, uh, that I, I, I needed to please people to, to be happy. And, and that lasted for, I, I would say all the way until I started to teach. Which was, Curious. A yeah, it, it was a, uh, it was a mid-life change for me. Uh, I was a corporate vice president of marketing for a major corporation in America. And I was in 2009 with the mass layoffs. I was deleted with about 75 of my staff. My, my whole floor was, we had boxes on our desk one morning and take off. And my daughter was in kindergarten. And so I said, okay, what am I going to do? And so I went back and got my teaching degree and said, What's happening to my daughter in her classroom is a miracle. She is learning how to read. And, and well, those words kind of easily flow out of your mouth. It's it's a it's a miracle. So I was I was really drawn to that. And my wife was a well, is is a teacher and 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 and, and has been all of her career. So um, I I started to teach in fifth grade and then started to teach internationally and that changed 
kind of that I don't need to please people. It it gave me a delight to show people, um, I guess how how to be happy, to model versus try and change things to to make them happy. I would I would model happiness. I would model positivity, and so so I guess that was the that was the shift from um, being that young people pleasing person to to having pleasure in watching people be happy. And it also sounds like in a way that you took a role of a follower and you made yourself a leader. Mm. Yeah. And you owner you took ownership of your light, it sounds mm. like also like your gift. Because you've always done that. Mm. You've always, you know, you've always had those wonderful qualities. Yes, you've been a problem solver. Yes, you've loved on people before yourself. You've you, you I could have definitely have told you that. I would have definitely described all the things you've described. Mm. Um, but I definitely think that the light that you bring to the table is what you and it's funny because it's such a simple shift it's i don't i don't even know if it's like atmospheric shift yeah. or or title shift yeah. or energetic geographic like i don't know what the shift was for you and where you felt that happen was it in flight like you know like was it in teaching school like where did you feel that release and shift i don't know but that is a curious and that's a really very, very cool thing that you experience that. And so like as a little boy, who did, what did Ben want to become? What did you want to become? I that you ended become, up marketing sex. Like I, I never even realized that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize it either. I was a salesman like my dad and I just rose, rose, rose to the ranks. And, and it was what, as, as a little boy, it was, it was, um, I didn't really have anything that I wanted to be. Like, I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't want to be a musician. I wanted to be whatever uh, uh, would make my dad proud. Whatever that was, it, that's, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And so I was, I mean, I had every job, you know, from all of us being in food service, we, I was in the military. I uh, played organ at my dad's church. I um, was a restaurant manager. I, you know, all of these things. Um, yeah. And so when I realized that, that it wouldn't, it, it didn't satisfy that need to make my father proud, even though he's, he always said he, he was proud of me. I, I guess I never internalized it. Um, and I, and I always wanted more. So I, I just tried something else. And then um, as I became more of myself and I understood that I was a leader and leading by example, um, which not a lot of corporations understand that these days. Um, it's, it's leading by, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that I, I never knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I don't know um, now when you said your father's church, was your father a leader of a church? He, he was the he was the choir master slash production manager of of the church, all of the pageants, all of the 
music, all of the flowers. He was in charge of all of that. And so I, I wanted to fit in with that. So he was in, he, and that was his full-time job. No, that was one of his many people pleasing jobs. He, he was, he was a salesman working for his father's company. And so, um, he, and, and, and he worked tremendous amounts of hours. And yeah. then you add on the church onto that. Plus, he was also involved in community theater. So you add on to that. And so it was always me trying to get into the. Trying uh, to see him. Yeah. Spend time with him. Because you probably barely ever saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And um, yeah. And, you, and that's interesting because. Um, how do you think that that had a, well, obviously that had a lot of formulaic effects on how you chose your path. Mm -hmm. Sure. I, I mean, all of us can, we're, we're, the, we're the same way. And yeah. as we grew and matured, we, I guess to some extent we became, I don't want to say resentful, but maybe even aloof to that um, need to be wanted or desired or be uh, you know for his attention and um that's that's when we 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 started to actually realize ourselves i guess so all you meaning the siblings your siblings yeah. mm -hmm. amazing and did you all have that enlightenment around the same time and what was there a life some some like thing that occurred that made you all go kind of wait a minute wait a minute mm -hmm. Well, see, I started teaching when I was what, 50. My brother, Stephen, was a Broadway conductor. He did Radio City and everything on Broadway. Um, and so, but, but even, and, and, and he passed away from um, uh, AIDS. And so he, um, he, he passed away, he was, just about 50 but he would always make a special deal when when mom and dad would come to one of his shows of course you know because 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 he wanted he, he wanted them to be proud and yeah um my oldest brother um he was he was kind of the, the poster child for exactly what i'm saying it was everything and anything that he could do to gain to to, to, to have my dad be be happy and and my sister she's the bedrock i mean she didn't um i think she took a different path very early and but but all of us boys were i would i would say right around the, the 40 to 50 year old mark is when we kind of said okay we're going to be our own person so so in your upbringing with your parents how did your mom play into all of this like did she just like you said your sister was a bedrock. Was your mom a bedrock or was your mom like the product of the 50s, 60s, 70s, where initially it was like Camelot industrial era post-war stuff turned into how do I become a Kennedy now? How do I listen to the Beatles, raise four children and fight for the Vietnam War or don't? Mm -hmm. And how do I believe or don't believe in civil rights and women's rights and interracial rights and rights, rights? Like imagine being parents of our era mm. and going through all of these elements 
at such a young age. Yeah. Um, trying to fit in and find your way and find your voice and all the things. Yeah. If my Where'd dad would in. If 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 my dad was the star, my mom was the supporting role. Yeah. Um, and she saw her role as that. Um, she because of financial situation, she, she had to work up, up outside of the home as well. Um, and I, I don't think by choice she would have. She was never yeah. politically active. Um, I never quite figured out, and I and it's one of the sad things that I regret from not ever having a serious conversation with mom and dad about it. But how they dealt with my brother being gay. Yeah, I wondered too. Yeah, and and how that affected their relationship with him and their relationship with each other. I, I, um, I mean, it was, it was, it was kind of a cloud that, that I don't, I don't see through to, to know kind of what was happening at that time. Um, he, my brother was married to a woman mm -hmm. and then got divorced and then came out. Mm -hmm. um, As many so, did. Yep. Yep. And, and, and so, um, yeah, my, my mom was, uh, was very much a supportive role. Did, I mean, if, if we were all in church doing your production, then she was there as well. If we were going out on holiday, she, she would, she, she would arrange everything. If we were having dinner at home on Sunday, she would cook it. So it was, she was very much in a, in a, in a supporting and yet a lead role, because if she didn't do it, then none of it would have gotten done. No. no. no so I, she I, made the ships run. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think she was ever appreciated for, for my dad for that. Um, we definitely showed our appreciation in her older age uh, and, and made sure that she knew that we knew how much work she did behind the scenes. If I can say that, I mean, she, she was. It was. It was clear to everybody else that I mean, she was a workhorse behind the thing. Oh she, my God, she, she'd have to have been right because if she would have had to have been if your father was pretty much occupied with all the other things. She she made our beds for us. I mean, and and she she definitely she was a caretaker, and so she, when we moved out. She found other people to take care of, whether yeah. it was her mother or her neighbor or the blind woman across the street or whoever it was. So um, uh, that's just who she was. She, she was a she was a caretaker from the word go, and that was her purpose. That, that, that was her purpose, and yeah. that and that was that's what gave her the the blood circulation, the purpose mm -hmm. to live. And and that makes sense. And also, I mean, was your mom educated above high school? Did she have a, a college degree by chance? No. That was that was the era that they either did or they didn't to start. Like mm -hmm. when education was like something to behold in. And women either did or they didn't. But even if they did, no, they didn't. Right. I mean, my mother was somebody who did. She had the four years liberal arts then went to Madison, ironically, with my father married, two years younger than Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm. tried to get into law school, could, was qualified. They wouldn't let her. They told her to go home and be a mom and a wife. Wow. 
So, you know, it was the era. And that's why I said our parents were coming up as young parents through all of these really historical events that made for quite a sense of development as a human being and an observer and whether you were integrated into it or not, or believed in it or you didn't or were affected by it or you weren't some way or another people were affected by it of course but um you know and then like you're very much involved with the church i'm sorry and then have a child who's gay and let's face it in the early 80s when we were coming out of college was when milk and all the things were like coming out and aids was coming up and we were just coming out of college so we were like the last generation of going through that that had any sense of freedom before it became like this dirt you know mm-hmm. and i see freedom based upon only a certain amount of decades yep yep uh, interesting anecdote my grandmother um who was 103 when she passed um she saw my brother's partner as one of her uh, grandsons and even though in not, I would say probably not 10 years prior, the, the N-word was constant in, in her vocabulary. Um, my my uh, niece married an uh, African-American man and he became one of my uh, 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 grandmother's grandson. Just, just, I mean, hugging and kissing and holding and yeah. in, in ways that might my grandmother didn't even demonstrate fully with us. Yeah, she, yeah. She accepted. So it's it's interesting how, yes, I mean, what, what you're saying is absolutely true, that it was, a, it, it, it was a shift, but even those older people who recognize and are modeled that we can be in a loving world where, I mean, these are wonderful people, I mean, even even somebody who's in their 90s can, can, can change their perspective. They absolutely can. And it's a powerful, very powerful thing. And I think kind of, you know, touching back on the beginning of what we started out the conversation and then talking about funda- foundationally where, you, like, for instance, you come from and what formulated you and what, and, and what um, you know, how you look at things, you know, whether it's from your learning, your environment, a culmination choice, you made a decision, a series of perspectives. I mean, it really does come down to we are malleable art, we are a functionality of a living sculpture. Mm. And then we choose to how we choose to come in and say, oh, we need to take a little off the tushy today. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, and and it takes effort. It takes, you know, training a muscle takes just that, training a muscle. It's, you know, we can go in kicking and screaming, look at losing 120 pounds or losing 53 pounds. It's not an easy feat. We, you made a decision. I made a decision. You and I made decisions, ironically, before we ever got diagnosed for cancer. Mm-hmm. Yep. We were both very healthy. Yep. Thank God. Yep, and right. I, your doctor said the same thing as my doctor said. And I'm not assuming, but they were, my doctor was like, Jesus Christ, you've lost how much weight on your own? That's impressive. And you know what? 
And I talk a lot about this because I'm a big believer in, you know, having been pre-med, I'm definitely into healing, inspiring, being a voice of reason, being an, an educator and a vessel from a different angle. And I do believe from an aging perspective that we need to be aware of, I'm not some guru, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, excuse me, I, I, I'm going to be really raw right now. I shouldn't piss the same way everybody else does. I don't, right. I, I, I am nothing better than or anything. Matter of fact, that's exactly why I feel it's important to be just this mm-hmm. here with you. I think it's the relatableness of, oh my God, there's a woman in, you know, who's talking with her old, you know, her boarding school mate about how they both been diagnosed with cancer, but they both come from all this history. And there's probably something I can learn from this. And you know what? The truth is, yeah, we can all learn from each other. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a celebrity on a red carpet who does not define all knowing. Right. And I, and I love my, my, the people I work with, but I, you know, I know that firsthand. I've worked with also a lot of and been exposed to a lot of brilliant people from all walks of life. And and none of that's guaranteed by your stature or your leverage or your titles or your vis- uh, visibility or any of that, you know. Um, I think that when you do get exposed to childhoods like yourself, and I don't know what made your childhood such where your father was the star. Like, I don't know if he, excuse me, was a little narcissistic. I don't know if, I'm not, I'm not trying to like make this about your father or your childhood, but I'm saying like, it's interesting that you met many of you in your household became the pleasers and of service, but wanted to be driven and strive and succeed because, you know, you don't succeed the way you guys did because, I mean, nobody was holding a gun to your head, but you knew like you wanted to, like you said, you wanted to make your father proud. You wanted to make your family proud. You wanted to, something was instilled in you that that was important by it, be it observation or because it was a spoken word or both. I don't know. A lot of it was work ethic placement. It was a, it was a, it was a lot of um, that we never learned how to play. Never learned how to play. No, play it, it, and it was never spoken that it was something that we didn't do. It, it it was it was just something that we never i mean we we I, I i can think of just a couple of times when we sat along as a family and played cards or a game or something now now that once in a while we would we we bought some open acreage up in central wisconsin and 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 we would make some time but i mean point of fact is Mom and the kids would go up on Friday after school. My dad would come up when he got done with his orders and everything about eleven or twelve o'clock on Friday night, and he and 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 he'd be with us on Saturday. But then, guess what? He had to go to church on Sunday, so he had to leave. So it, it's it's not. I don't think my dad was a narcissist. I I I think he he just stopped being idle as being like what am i doing but like i i need to be doing something 
He had spilkies is what we call it. Mm. He you. couldn't sit still. He had spilkies. But ironically, ironically, instead of spending more time with his family, mm-hmm. he did it with a lot of other sources for his own self gain. So yeah. I'm not going to label your father a narcissist. <laughs> well, you, you can if you want. No, 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 no. But my point is, is, no, it's interesting how we do make these choices and how we how we go through life. And it's interesting that, um, you know, for yourself, I always thought of you uh, in the arts. I would never have thought of you in sales, but we're all in sales for that matter. That's the truth. The more we the more readily we accept that, the better off we'd all be. Um, we're all, we're always all negotiating in life, you know, so it's just a matter of how well you make the deal happen. Um, but I, I know that that change, like has, did the teaching for you become way more life, um, fulfilling? hundred percent. When I, in, in in my organization, my last few months, we would have operational meetings. The vice presidents would all get together, and we would we would go over financial statements, because because that's all that matters really is the money. And I mean, we would have people literally throwing up in garbage cans in the bathroom because I mean, your job was on the line. If 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 you didn't have a profit margin, I mean, it was it was that bad. In the and, international market that you were teaching it. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. This, this is, is back in corporate America. Yes, right, right, right. Okay, sorry. got it. Got sorry. it. So that's that was my life. And then when um, when that day came in 2009 and I was I was let go, it was somewhat freeing. It was scary because that's that's all I knew how to do. But when I started teaching, it my salary dropped by two-thirds. I was making stupid amounts of money. And then, but I, I just loved going to school. I, I, I just loved, I, I loved on my kids. Um, I, I, I met with them in their homes. I, I went and saw the parents and I connected with the parents and I instilled the values, I hope, of, of, of school. And um, even, even with my diagnosis, I posted on Facebook and I had kids who I, uh, 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 who have since graduated high school and are now in college. Oh, Mr. Baltus, I remember when you did this and did that. And it's, it's, I would never get that from any of my corporate friends. Right. So, so, so just the inner feeling that I'm actually accomplishing something like this is, this is for the greater good. If, if, if I can get these kids to understand that it's, you know, one of my mantras that I that I teach the kids: uh, if you're not struggling, you're not learning. Mm. You have to struggle to learn. There's whether you're riding a bike, or you're learning a new video game, or you're learning how to read. You have to struggle to learn, and come face to face with uh, what I'm in now. Talk about a struggle. And I'm learning. I'm I am I'm learning new things even through the face of a struggle. So yeah, 
this this whole teaching thing has has really changed my whole perspective and and it's caused me to um think less about pleasing others and and, and just realizing that there's a greater good out there well it's interesting that you say that because um you know one of the many things I heard you say was, you know, the impact that teaching has made on your life and how it freed you up to be your truth. You didn't say that. Those are my words, but that's what I heard. And so you still got to be a giving source and the vessel that you came in to be, but it wasn't a way that felt that you clearly felt a reciprocating like energy source that refueled you to keep you wanting to keep giving back. Mm -hmm. There's a difference energetically when that happens. Mm. I, I had that experience right after Wayland when I started college, um, actually with the American Camp Association. It was actually the least amount of money I ever made, but the richest I ever was because it's not that I haven't, you know, felt wealthy and since, but, but there was a purity involved with it that allowed me to be my purest self, show up my purest self, give up my purest self. And of that, the, 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 the returns were like, you know, you couldn't even put your, you couldn't even put a, a number on it. It was so full to the point where it's paid forward still to this day. Mm those relationships, that, that, that moral compass, that work ethic you were talking about earlier, um, just the level of, you know, how the giving was just a want and a need that just, I couldn't stop. And what's interesting about all of that is that when you find those places, unlike when you know, you, when you know you're not in those places, and whether you knew it in your corporate world or if it, or if it was forced upon you upon the release, like maybe the release was the gift in that moment to make you wake up and go, this is not where you're supposed to be. You're, this is just comfortable because you're making stupid amounts of money and, and you had your insurance was built in. Like, what's not to like? Like, I get everything I want more. But were you? Would, would it have... If you, if you were there, you know, another 15 years, would you be where you're at today in your enlightenment? I don't know. You don't, I don't know if you know. Hmm. Um, but everything, does it happen for a reason? Are there accidents? Is it meant to happen? Like, these are all the philosophical questions we sat in our freshman classes in college and asked ourselves, like, you know, is there a God kind of thing? And hmm. um you know, I, I don't know why lessons are given. I don't know why struggles are experienced. I don't know for some of us who maybe have experienced seemingly more. And I don't mean like a well me kind of thing. I just mean just a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Who continue to show strength, who continue to show ability to solve problems, who continue to show the ability to get up. I don't know. Maybe that's just part of being like the, the the soldiers of the Gandhis and the the Mandelas and the, the whomevers to just keep 
getting up. Yeah, it's it's I'm I'm constantly you know I on on you and I have been for these 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 uh, these chemo sessions, and we've seen people in the in the bay, right? I mean, we we and I I just feel myself so fortunate, and even to the point of feeling guilty, like I'm. I'm walking, I'm skipping, I'm jumping, I'm running, and some of these people are just not well. And who who am I to feel sorry for myself? Like, get off your ass and, you know, do what you can to show love to people and, and, you know, be the, like, I'm going to take bagels into my um, nurses tomorrow. Because... I mean, these these people are just amazing people. These 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 nurses, these these chemo nurses, they're skilled and they're compassionate at the same time. Who am I to sit there and complain to them about how I feel or how um, like I I never hide anything medically. Let's let's put that out there. If if I'm feeling something bad, I don't say, oh no no, I'm all right, I'm all right. I yeah yeah I, yeah. I let them do their job. But, oh, no, this is, you know, why do I have to wait an extra hour for my chemo medicine? Why do I have to do this? Like, please. Oh, I, yeah. Please. You know, there's, there's, there's no need for that. And, and I've just, I just count myself so fortunate to be in the position that I am today, today and for today. You know, I, I'm, I, I don't look that, that much in the future to say, oh, I wonder what it, my scan will show in a month and a half. You know when I'm done with my first round of chemo. Yeah, that time will come. But for today, I'm really grateful. And my and my daughter's coming home this weekend. I can be grateful for that. Beautiful sunshiny day here in Wisconsin today. Um, cold but sunshine. So lots lots to be grateful for. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, I feel like, um, so it's interesting. So I don't remember if it was my post from my hospital room that you saw, um, if that was the one that that one was uh, an interesting moment in time, because it was something I'd never done before. I, I did not do social media until really two and a half years ago when the pandemic hit the entertainment and as many industries did shut down and it became the source of connection, an opportunity to learn, expand, grow. And, and it was kind of like the wild, wild west as far as I was concerned. Um, so as I developed my desire to be more willing to do things messy and vulnerably in a social influenced way, um, did I put out this post that you saw from my hospital bed talking about the importance of health and wellness, the importance of advocating in my particular case, the point of um, showing up for yourself, even when you've been told time and time again that like, you know, this is what happens or this is what women go through or da, 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 and you know it's not right. right. And um, because if I hadn't continued pushing that envelope, 
I still have a mass in me that who's to say at this juncture what would have happened. And not being dramatic, by the way, just matter of fact, based upon ovarian cancer, like many cancers being very mysterious and very deadly. And in the case of my posting, the fact that women and women's health and women's funding is just so low on the totem pole. And I knew this as a pre-med kid in the 80s. I remember I remember just being like, Jesus Christ, you know, like, I love being me and I love being a woman, but I always feel like I'm kind of like, like, uh, you know, like I get on with men so beautifully, thankfully, and it's allowed me in rooms that have allowed me to hold my own. And as a woman, you're like, Jesus Christ, like, I can't be a director yet, or I being a doctor and listening to all the, you know, the AMA, like I'm not anti anything. We have, we have white men, purple, whatever, yellow boy. Well, I don't care who or what you are. Just like, let's all like give it the opportunity that we all have the opportunity. And I've always been in this precipice or in these rooms where I'm hearing like the, the limitations or the things that haven't been done yet. So I feel like I feel like I'm at this point in my marinating that I need to use my voice in ways that make sense and be a purpose in a way that's not shoving anything down anybody's throat, but maybe will have you stop, look and listen, which is what I think happened in that hospital post, which has been since pulled down. And the reason being after I made a few more posts, was because my husband had been approached at one of his pro on one of his projects. And I've never been told who this person was, but uh, my husband is not on social media. He's never even heard one of my podcasts that I've over like 70 I produced at this point. And I still love him. Uh, and, um, and, you know, this person comes up to him very randomly and says, hey, what's going on with your wife? Is she dying? Wow. Okay. So we both know that when you get a diagnosis that is relative to, in our cases, cancer, you know, it's a shock, not just to you, the person who's got it in your body but to everybody else that loves you and loves you and whatever. And if you and I, for instance, were walking around looking like signs of health and well-being and like really in charge and this shit happens, it makes everybody else feel super fucking vulnerable. Mm, right. Because now they have to look in the mirror and go, well, if Ben and Felicia got cancer, then what the fuck is keeping cancer from me? Right. Or now how do I, how do I manage my emotions? so when my husband got approached on a Sunday at an award show completely not on a Sunday I take that back you know it was a Sunday because the award show happened during the weekday he was so upset mm -hmm. and of course he has no idea what I've spoken on mm -hmm. he, you know I mean god forbid you trust your wife first but I say I say that again with love, like he had a reaction because he didn't know what his person was talking about. And of course, he's afraid of the worst anyhow. Mm 
So no matter how well one is doing and kicking ass, you're still scared yeah. over here. Of, right? So anyhow, that's what caused me to pull down that post and a few other posts out of love and respect to my husband at the time, who wasn't dealing with all the vulnerability very easily. And though I was already starting to help people and to connect people to major foundations and like top, top physicians around the world, all simply because I was willing to push the button based upon a recording I made, I think that what I've learned is I still have to show up in my truth, no matter who and how people can handle this stuff. And this is a very vulnerable time. And like you said, you know, you, one of the one of the big lessons you're taking away from this is, you know, putting yourself first. And that is one of my big lessons too. And I'm constantly, like even today, I was texting my husband saying, you know, how I'm being approached for work and how I'm going to pass. And then I think I wrote a great question mark. Yeah, it's, 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 it's got to be hard. Like, like for example, um, I'm 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 still substitute teaching, basically to keep myself active. Yeah, um, and and also to take my mind off things. And I I see on my phone these these, these substitute teacher jobs come up like every fifteen minutes, like bang bang bang. I go, oh geez, this this person could really use my help, you know. But then I have to think, what am I doing? Like I I, I need to maybe do this once or twice a week, but I'm but I'm not going to be Mr. Substitute Man and rescue the world. So, um, but back to what you said about your post, it, it um, more than anything, your post on the hospital bed coached me to be more vulnerable, like to actually put it out there because I was actually questioning about putting out the information about my own diagnosis. And the, the, the lesson I learned from your pot, from your post was simply that, you know, what good does it do to keep this from people yep. except that, that I don't want their sympathy? No. And, and so I really had to talk with Jenny and talk with others about how do I want to approach it so that I don't garner this feeling of awe, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, it's so bad. And, and I, the way I worked through it was to talk about what I needed. And, and so I spoke very directly in my post, my, my very first post about exactly what I needed from people, which was to be challenged, to be supported, to be cheerleaders, to, to you know, make, make sure that my attitude doesn't slip. I mean, really to be my coaches out there. And, and that, that has worked so well for me. Um, I've from, from, from people like you, you know, you, you've told me to kick cancer's ass and I, and it's, I, I'm, I'm, I might not win the battle, but it's, it's going to be real. Sorry. It's going to be real. Sorry. You've entered my body. I'll tell you that right now. So right. I, uh, that's, that's what I learned from that very first post of you. Well, it's interesting, and I thank you for saying that, and it's interesting, I got that a lot in return, and what's really funny about that, that that really, like, that was, for me, was, like, jumping off the edge of a cliff in Sicily. I really, like, 
was something I would just like, yeah, don't, don't, don't ask me more than once. Cause I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and people would be like, come on, Felicia, you can only live once. And I'll be like, yeah, I, I got this over here. I don't need to jump over the edge. That was for me jumping over the edge. And it was the moment of what if somebody needs to hear this? What if there's just one person needs to hear this? I don't know who's going to hear this. I don't know right. how many people are going to hear this. I have all of two followers. Mm-hmm. I'm Felicia Linsky. Who knows Felicia Linsky? Not very many people. But ironically, what was interesting was, no, I did not want anybody's pity. And I said it very much in that post. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for anything like that. I'm looking for people to wake up and be aware. I'm looking to be the story that is used as the passing the baton of information. I'm, I'm the person who people look to as a sense of resource and a sense of pays attention and a sense of stays on top of it. And now here I am and I need to let you know. Mm-hmm. I know this may be of a shock. Mm-hmm. But here we go. And ironically, in that moment, what really gave me the like the push was this woman who was the classic, like, I swear this is how I describe her, and I could be so very off. But she literally knocks on my door after I just recorded this piece, coming from like the rabbinical clear clergy kind of department like do you want a blessing or prayer I said man I'll take all the blessings and prayers I can get my hands on right (laughs) and she walks in and she's like an older version of a Gilda Radner with salt and pepper hair with like the sweater vest and the skirt down past her knees and knee socks up and the oversized tennis shoes god love her she was a character I loved her she sits down next to my asshole bed and we end up having this philosophy versus TED talk versus what matters versus like all these really cool moments. We finished talking. I'm like, man, I just recorded something. I swear to God, I like touch base. And we just touch base on so many things I just talked about. She's like, really? And I was like, yeah. I said, I feel like I have to be willing to put it out there because I just don't know. Somebody might need to hear. And she's like, you know, I don't do social media. I do this. Mm -hmm. I said, I know. And this is exactly what I'm trying to do. But on a, a, who knows who's going to hit that right moment in time and see this. And I asked her point blank. I said, I don't know if you're willing to listen to this. I said, but from my perspective, I'd just be really curious because I want to hear from somebody who has no attachment to me whatsoever. She was like, of course. She listens to it. She turned to me. She's like, seriously, how how can you, having just in the last 48 hours, let alone the last week or so, put together your thoughts in such a way, with such a stream of consciousness, that literally can put a message out there advocating for other people based on your experience like seriously you should be doing public speaking Mm. and when she said that to me I was like I've got to stop hiding I've got to stop being behind the chair Mm. I've got to stop being scared I've got I've already heard you have early stage three ovarian cancer what the fuck are you scared of Mm -hmm. right I'm not scared going on set. Mm-hmm. I love being on set. Mm-hmm. 
I also know that I need to and want to get through these sessions, these treatments on par, on course, without any blips. The only way I can possibly do that is by being in somewhat of control of my exposure, which does not guarantee shit. But not being on larger sets with lots and lots of people in the moment. At least this is what my voice is confirmed in my brain. My attitude was, oh, I'm going, getting right back up on the horse and I'm just going. And then I had a wake up call and was like, why are you doing that? Mm. Why are you putting yourself first for once? So it's interesting that you talk about putting yourself first because this lesson is a big one. That people I don't think realize while going through cancer, when you're faced with so many other things, and this is not a woe us, the level, the amount of, as I put it in this post recently about the number of hats you 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 have to wear, that was a that's very much a commentary, not on the fashion or the whatever. Mm -hmm. It's the this is something that you don't freaking realize until you're faced with it all the different things that you little or big mm-hmm. and people don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is my subtle way of making commentary through this, not about like, Oh, well me, I'm going through early stage three of ovarian cancer. No, mm-hmm. I would like by April, May for this not to be a conversation anymore. Right. Unless I'm being hired to speak on something that caused cause this to become something that people want to hear about and I'd be happy to share but other than that I hope that I'm being less scared willing to be more vulnerable what ironically and I thank you for sharing what ironically that post did for me along with a few others though those were pulled down and I've since posted some other you know, fairly profound things is that it caused me to shut down for a moment Mm. and it caused me to like clip my wings for a moment based upon other people's feelings and experiences. And I went, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, I can't do this shit anymore. Mm -hmm. I get get that my husband has problems over here, but he's going to have to figure that out. And these people over here who need to like do things that are unhealthy or insensitive or whatever they're gonna have to figure that out i'm over here taking care of me right it's not about how many others i can because i'm the pitch hitter i'm the one who comes in and does a lot of saving the day i'm the one who you can throw all the things at, and i'll carry it across the finish line i have to just go and I think it's really interesting that you are sharing that with me as well, mm-hmm. that that is a realization for you. And that's got to be a big, big, like, stepping back, taking a look at. It is. I cannot wait for you next week to hear part two of my continued conversation with Ben as we continue to share more enlightenment about the things that we've experienced, our takeaways, and the things that we want to share going forward for those who may or may not know 
the stories of people's journeys going through cancer and life in general. So join us next week as we continue part two with my conversation with my dear friend Ben Baltus on the Camp Fifi Uncensored podcast, where the spirit is young, the soul is wise, and the life stories are vast, and where we talk about everything from soup to nuts or what I like to say, from cannolis to egg in the holes, and don't forget the s'mores. Much love. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now. Oh, 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 oh